Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day. For those listeners that don't know, we're trying to record these podcasts each early afternoon to give all of you listeners enough time to consume all of the information before you make your selections for any given day's matches. As such, we won't always have the results of our prior day's picks available to us when I start recording. We do have four of our six aces in the books from day four, one in three through those first four picks. Now, in our two outstanding bets, Mackie McDonald has started a comeback against Kei Nishikori. Whether he finishes it off or not remains to be seen. We do just need a Bianca Andrescu victory in any fashion over Lauren Davis to complete a three-player parlay, but enough is enough. It's time for me to step up my game, and in coming into day five selections, I'm bringing a renewed focus. Think Gohan, Goku in the hyperbolic chamber. Think Bruce Wayne when he's in prison in The Dark Knight Rises. A bunch of sit-ups, a bunch of pull-ups, getting back to our roots here. It's time for me to step up my game so that we can hit our end goals. We're winning over 60% of our matches in this event. We are going to finish over plus 12 units, guaranteeing it here on day number five with that in mind let's get to it here are my picks for our gsp aces of the day i suppose i will quickly preface before i get into this i'm going to go through my favorite money line picks talk about the over under spreads i have my eyes on name my favorite parlay as well i will mention to all of you listeners if you're looking for straight recap content what are the most important matches that have unfolded what are the storylines to monitor through the action in New York. Hop on over to our mini break podcast feed. We recap each and every day's play. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcast, or you can find the link on our website, crackedrackets.com. With that said, it's time to get into it. Here are my picks for my day five GSP aces of the day. We'll start with the money line picks. I've got two for all of you here today. Now, you know, Round three is where things always get spicy, right? Because in theory, it's the top 32 players in the draw. And of course, we talk about it on each and every, it feels like, show that we do here at Crack Rackets. Parody is the name of the game in both the men's and the women's tour. Now, of course, it's been, uh, been a bit more pronounced in the women's game. You've had 12 different semifinalists through the first three Grand Slams this season. It's I think there's, what, 33 different uh, event winners in the 45 events that's been held this year. It's not quite that in the men's game where it does feel like you've got that group of eight guys on the top. Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Berrettini, Rublev, Dominic, team win healthy. Uh, But the point being, outside of those eight at the top of the men's game, you know, upsets have been everywhere. And so, you know, you look up and down, particularly in the bottom half of the draw, there are a lot of difficult matches to project, uh, not a lot of appealing money lines. Certainly, you look at a guy like Daniil Medvedev. He takes on, I believe it's Pablo Andujar uh, tomorrow, of course. You know, he's going to be a prohibitive favorite in that match. And you're just not going to get that good of action if you try to bet that one. You look for Medvedev tomorrow he is indeed minus 20,000 so 2,000 to one tomorrow you have to wager $2,000 to win one dollar in return on the money line for Andujar it's a minus nine and a half spread and sure 
could he win three, three, and you know, even if he wins three, three, and three, that's not enough. It's got to be one, two, and one, and that's very much in the cards. But you know, that's just so lopsided. I don't want any part of that. You look at some of the other ones. Do I really want to touch Vendison Sculp, even though I feel good about him? Minus two forty against Bagness. No, that feels like a stay away. Dan Evans versus Alexi Popperin. Popperin up to plus one hundred. Evans minus one twenty. You know, that's a pick 'em. Popperin's got the serve, got the big forehand to give the Dan Evans backhand problems, but Dan Evans is going to make that match physical. And can Popperin do it over five sets? That's the question to be answered. I don't want any part of that. Laxon and Gojowitz. I'm not really sure how that one ends up. We'll get to Schwartzman, Mulken, Rublev, Tiafo later. The interesting one is Tsitsipas Alcaraz. I do think the pace of Alcaraz, the heaviness of his forehand, just the authority and decisiveness with which he plays. You know, he plays front foot tennis. And regardless, you know, Tsitsipas does that as well. And, you know, it's, you know, two forces, oil and water, butting heads there on the court. I do think Alcaraz, if he plays his best, absolutely has the weapons to take a set off Tsitsipas. Now, I do think Tsitsipas wins, and at minus 550, you just don't really want to throw that into anything because it doesn't do much for your odds. But I'm nervous of the spread. You know, more than anything, I would say the number I like as it relates to that match is the over three and a half sets at minus 125. But, you know, outside of that, that you know, that's your men's spread of matches the women's are absolutely ridiculous, and you just look up and down the board tomorrow, and we'll start with the match lines. I mean, again, there's a lopsided one. Osaka minus 650 over Fernandez. I don't really want any part of that because Leila Fernandez is super, super good. I think Osaka, it's minus five and a half games is really where you get minus 165 money, anything above that, and it's just not really worth it. You know, I could see Fernandez, who 5-5 five five win over Canepi, good win, straight sets over Konya as well in her first round match. Why can't she keep it close against a Naomi Osaka, who looked good, you know, solid in her first round, but not great and didn't get more repetitions as her second round opponent pulled out? Yes, Osaka is rested, but she's untested. That's a stay away for me. I mean, Colin Sabalenka, hello. Kasakina, Svitolina, Azarenka, Muguruza, Merton, Jabur, Halep, Rabakina, Bencic versus Pagula, Gracheva versus Pavlichenkova. You know, no one's touching Krechikova at minus 1,000, so you have to bet, what is that, $10? So, oh, excuse me, I think I said 2,000 to 1. I mean, it was 200 to 1. You have to bet $200 uh, when I said it was 2,000 1 in terms of the lopsided uh, wager for the men's side. Anyways, my point being. You're not going to get much at 1,001 odds, uh, minus 1,000, excuse me, for Krutchikova. So tricky, tricky day for the aces of the day. With that said, I think I found the two matches I like on the money line. Let's start with a player who, you know, I've made this case repeatedly, so I apologize if you've heard me say this before, but I think she was the best player through the first third of this uh of this 2021 season, and that's Garbine Muguruza, who, of course, we have seen win Grand Slam titles during her career. Never, though, made a deep run at the U.S. Open. She's made a final in Australia. She's won Wimbledon, obviously. She's won uh, the French Open as well. You look for her in her career at the U.S. Open, the best she's ever done, round of 16, back in 2017. Of course, she has had multiple successes at hard courts on Slam, that 2020 Australia final she made round of 16 this year, had match points on Naomi Osaka, the eventual champion the year before, round of 16, 2017 quarterfinals, 2015 round of 16, 2014 
round of 16. So hardcourt success at slams has happened for Muguruza. Of course, injuries have been such a big part of her story as well. And as such, we often see her banged up heading into this U.S. Open, uh, heading into the U.S. Open. That doesn't seem to be the case this year. I think she's fresh, and I think she's playing good tennis. And you look at Muguruza's results here in 2021, 32-13 overall. You want to narrow that out to her specific results on hard courts. Muguruza goes to a still equally impressive 25-8 overall. Excuse me, they don't have the Petkovic counted. So 29-8, she's won 71% of her matches overall. 26-8 uh, on hard courts puts her, let's see, 34 or minus 8, so two fours. I mean, it's not going to go cleanly, but it's probably about 78% of her matches she's winning on hard courts. That's an elite number. She's one of three players. You know, it's Sviantek, Jabour, Muguruza, who are top 15 in both hold percentage and break percentage. You look for Muguruza this season, she's 13-7, and seven, again, against top 50 opponents, 5 and 6, against the top 20, 3 and 5, against the top 5, you look at, uh, top 10, excuse me, you look at those 5 losses though, 3 set loss to Krejcikova at Cincinnati, 3 set loss to Andrescu in Miami, uh, 3 set loss to Osaka in Australia, 6 and 4 loss to Barty in Australia as well, the one outlier was a 2 and 1 loss in Doha to Petra Kvitova, of course she makes up for that the very next uh, week by going and winning the title in Dubai, beating, I believe it was Krejcikova, or did Krejcikova lose to Kvitova? The point being, Muguruza gets through that Middle East run winning the title in Dubai. She does beat Krejcikova in the final, beat Sabalenka twice during that stretch as well. Garbine Muguruza has been fantastic this year, and you look at her recent results for Muguruza, you know, it wasn't the best natural surface swing for her. First round loss to Kostyuk at Roland Garros. She was injured entering that match. She gets healthy at the start of the grass court season, quarterfinals Berlin before losing 7-6 in the third to Cornet. Three-set loss for her against Shabur in, at, uh, at Wimbledon. She then goes to Tokyo, straight-set wins over Van Utvenik, Wang, and Kudermatova before a straight-set set loss to the big hitting Elena Rabakina. You know, three set loss to Sinyakova in Montreal was weird, but I don't think a three set loss in Cincinnati to Krejcikova is anything to, you know, bat an eyebrow at. Krejcikova is 27 and 3 overall since the start of the French Open. 32 and 13 speaks volumes about Garbine Muguruza this year. You look at the advanced metrics via our friends at Tennis Abstract. ELO ratings, which measure who you play, not when and where. She's number five in overall ELO. She trails just Krejcikova, Sabalenka, Osaka, and Barty. You look in terms of 2021 specific ELO, she's fallen a bit down to number 15, but I think that's more, you know, that just puts more weight on her recent results than anything else. I mentioned it. She's one of the three people in the top 15 club. Garbine Muguruza has been damn good here in 2021, but she's definitely got a test tomorrow. In Victoria, Azarenka, of course, Vika made the finals of the U.S. Open last season, was so brilliant in New York on her way to the title at the Western Southern Open. Obviously follows that up by making a run to the final as well. You look for Vika here in 2021. You know, she hasn't played that many events, seven in total, but she's 20 and seven in those events. You look for her overall. She's had one first round loss the entire season. It was at the Australian Open, and guess who that first round loss was to? Jessica Pegula, who is 25 and 7 this year 
in WTA hardcore events, has made quarterfinals in four of the nine hardcore events that she's played. That is by no means a bad loss for her. And you look for Vika, the losses are Barty, Sabalenka, uh, Samsonova on grass court. She goes on to win the title that week. Pavlochenkova at Roland Garros, who makes the final. Uh, Barty again in Miami. Pagula in Australia. A couple of withdrawals along the way as well, but like, you know, withdrawals have been part of the story. She has been banged up here this season. We haven't gotten to see an extended stretch of health, but when she's played, she's been pretty damn good. And you look for her overall in terms of the breakdown, 12-5 and five against top 50 opponents, 2-3 and three against the top 20, 1-3 against the top 10. You look for her in terms of her numbers. She would be one of the 15 players in the top 30 club. Her hold percentage, 66.5, only uh, 2% behind her career average. Her break percentage, 1% behind her career average. But again, she is one of the 15 players who've been top 15 in both categories uh, top 30 in both categories you want to look specifically for Vika here this year it's been more on the return of serve that she's had success you look at that number for Victoria Azarenka in her last 52 weeks she ranks seventh amongst the top 50 players in break percentage 44.7 percent uh, yeah, she's been super aggressive on the return of serve. The problem for her has been, again, the plus one ball and just her movement and finding her rhythm, her steps, her cadence to her game because she is a shot maker. She is someone who wants to be on her front foot. When she's played people who have the power and the ability to take her off of her front foot to get her out of the center of the court, that's where she's had some difficulties here this season. And why I think Muguruza tomorrow at plus 100 is the move to make is because Muguruza knocks off all of those check marks. A, for Muguruza's 6-6 six and six win against Vekic, she was okay. She wasn't great. Her level improved throughout the match. She then played a very good match, round two, straight sets over Andrea Petkovic. Azarenka's had two good wins as well, but I think Muguruza's found her rhythm here, and Muguruza is a player who has the length to absorb the first strike of Azarenka, and she's not someone who's going to try and grind. She's someone who's going to dish that pace right back to Vika. I mean, of course, this is a match that comes down to who is serving better, and I think of late, the answer to that question is Garbine Muguruza, who has competed so well. You look for them in their careers, 2-2 career split. They've played twice on hard courts. That's a 1-1 career split. Muguruza won their last matchup. Rome last year was a three-set win. The one match, they uh, two matches they've played to completion because there have been withdrawals in two of them. Vika beat Muguruza 6-6 six six in Miami 2016. The point being, I'm expecting a tight match. But I do think Muguruza pulls it out. You look at tennis abstracts. Forecast for the draw, they have Muguruza, 54% favorite to Azarenka's 46%. Meanwhile, again, the odds have Muguruza as a plus 100 underdog, a narrow underdog, but an underdog nevertheless. I see value there. I took Muguruza 25-1 to to win this tournament as my long shot bet at the start. I'm going to stick with that theme here. Give me Garbine Muguruza to knock off Vika tomorrow. I believe that is your first match of the day on Arthur Ashe Court. So that is certainly one to enjoy. Again, we're not going to get too crazy here on our wagers because it is round three. The margins are tight, but we're going to throw half a unit on it to win half a unit. That is ace of the day number one. Again, I know that was a deep dive. You know, that was a long breakdown. I'm not going to do that for every ace here today. Go into that sort of depth, but... 
that might be your match of the day. That may be our Patreon match of the day segment as a matter of fact. Uh, the other match I like on the money line, it's a bet on Felix Ogier Aliasim, and he has a tricky match tomorrow. There's no doubt about that. In Roberto Bautista Agut, Roberto Bautista Agut, from an eye test perspective, has been one of the most impressive players of the tournament thus far. Straight set win for him over Kyrios, straight set win over Ruth Savori as well. In his first two matches, he just looks fit. He looks locked in. He's moved the ball so well around the court and you know, again, inside out, inside out, inside out, inside in forehand. He wants to bait you into hitting that ball down the line so he can hit the best shot in his arsenal, his on-the-run forehand. Here's the thing, though. Don't bait Felix Ogier Aliasim because he's got the sort of firepower to hit through that bait, and when he's landing that first strike, he's going to beat you. And in his match yesterday against Evgeny, uh, against Bernabe Zapata Morales, excuse me, FAA was landing the first serve, was landing the first strike, played a super, super clean match. And you look at just his results since the start of the grass court season, final in Stuttgart, semis in Halle before losing 7-6 in the third to the eventual champion, Hugo Umber. After that, FAA, for the first time in his career, makes a quarterfinal at a Grand Slam. He beats Kyrgios, he beats Zverev in the round of 16, then loses very respectable four-set match to Matteo Berrettini. Now, it was a funky start for him at the start of this hardcore stretch. Losses to Purcell, Brooksby, and Lajevic, all in straight sets in Tokyo, Washington, D.C., and Canada, respectively. But then he goes to Cincinnati. Good wins over Fucevic, Hachinov, and Berrettini, respectfully, before three-set loss to Tsitsipas, the thing you love so much for FAA here on these courts. We can now say, after four days, it, it's not just speculation. These courts are playing fast, and that was something the U.S. Open has been open about, that they wanted these courts to play a little bit quicker, that they wanted this event to be, you know, from a surface standpoint, a little bit of an outlier compared to some of the other events. You know who that benefits? Felix Ogier Aliasim, who has looked best perhaps on an indoor hard court, and guess what? He's from Canada. That's where you play five to six months of the year growing up. FAA on a fast court with the way he's serving, with the way he's hitting his first strike. I think he's the favorite tomorrow against FAA and you look uh, against RBA and you look at the odds. It's narrow odds between both of them. FAA minus 105 to RBA's minus 115. It's essentially a pick 'em. But I think there's value in picking FAA here. And again, he's a guy who, by picking, you are finding value in Tennis Abstract's forecast for the draw. They have FAA as the slight favorite tomorrow. Now, it's their closest match, 50.8% FAA, 49.2 RBA. But I think that suggests what both the eye, you know, that means the analytics are matching the eye test, which that is that FAA has had the better results of late, 29 and 18 overall here in 2021. Now, the weird number for him, He's 11 and 12 against the top 50, but 7 and 4 against the top 20, 4 and 4 against the top 10. He's a primetime performer, and the better the tennis, the bigger you hit, the better the FAA. Now, RBA is going to throw junk at him. RBA is going to try and play, you know, a grinding match, make the match super physical. But I think FAA has the physicality to match there, and I just think he has the weapon. You know, what does RBA do to hurt him? And the thing is, I think FAA's weapons are big enough that RBA is not going to be able to be in the counterpunching mode that RBA likes to be in. I think, you know, FAA's weapons disrupt those patterns for Bautista Goot. You look in their career, they've played twice. FAA, a three-set win over RBA last year, indoor hard courts 
of Cologne RBA, a 6-3 and three win in Davis Cup at the end of 2019. You know, again, the, those are toss-up matches. It's it's a sort of pick 'em, and you look for RBA here: twenty-six and twenty in 2021, uh, 20 fourteen and thirteen against the top fi- uh, fifty, only four and three against the top twenty. You look at the overall ELO ratings right now; they obviously lean towards FAA. Felix Ogier Aliasim currently ranked twenty-first in overall ELO. You look for Roberto Bautista Good. He's down to number thirty-four, which is the lowest he's been in quite a while. FAA sixteenth. In terms of 2021 ELO, you look for Bautista Goot. He's all the way down at 40th. In terms of hold percentage, I mentioned this yesterday. FAA ranks 23rd in hold percentage right now. Roberto Bautista Goot, much lower down the list. You look for him currently. He ranks 38th amongst top 50 players. In terms of break percentage, that's where, you know, again, uh, they're they're pretty even right now. You look for RBA. Let's see. Oh, he's on the higher side, so that's where he's a little bit higher. He currently ranks eleventh. Uh, FAA currently ranking thirty second. So again, does the strength of FAA, the serve, the plus one shot, outweigh the power of Roberto Bautista Gut? His ability to neutralize that first strike and counterpunch when you think you're the aggressor, that's actually right where he wants you. I think FAA's strength is stronger than RBA's strength right now. And again, this is very much a pick a match. This is a match where if you would prefer to take the over three and a half sets, good luck to you. It's minus 205, but you want to take a spread just within two and a half games or, you know, the under the, if you want to, you see a six and a half or a five and a half floating somewhere and you just want to take the under on that because you think it's going to be close. I can't blame you there. I think FAA I just think he he's found it. The level of consistency, aggression right now. Now, this is a prove-it match, but I think he proves it tomorrow. Give me FAA at minus 105. It's another only half-unit selection here to win .47. But I feel good about those two money line picks. In a day that either sees things super lopsided or way too close to call, those are my two diamonds in the rough from a money line perspective. Now, in terms of the over-unders and spreads, you want to take the over two and a half sets in seven of their six of the eight women's singles matches tomorrow. Svitolina Kasatkina, Sabalenka Collins, Merton Jabour, Vika Muguruza, Halep Rivakina, Stevens Kerber. Can't blame you for that. Some of the spreads, Osaka minus four and a half games over Fernandez, minus 195. Maybe if you're a high roller, Jabour minus two and a half games over Mertens. She's got the more dynamic game, but I just think that match is a pick I don't feel comfortable one way or the other. I think Rabakina's power beats out Halep tomorrow and plus one and a half games, minus 125. I think if she wins this set, it could be a lopsided set. She gets an early break and helps just like, you know what, I don't want to track down these balls right now. You can take this set. Let's go to set two or let's go to set three. But I just don't want to bet against this version of Halep. So I think those are all stayaways. You know, again, from the men's side, Rublev Tiafo, I do think Francis, that scene, that environment, the better the player, the better the Francis. I think you can absolutely take a set tomorrow, but Rublev is kind of uniquely positioned to have the sort of power tennis to overwhelm what still can be a weakness in the Tiafo forehand, and I just think Rublev's on a mission. So minus 155 there over three and a half sets. Interesting. I already made the Alcaraz. Tsitsipas case minus 125. Evans Popperin to go over three and a half sets minus 200. FAA RBA minus 205. Laxon and Gojowitz minus 200. 
I don't hate Tiafo plus six and a half games. So, you know, even if he loses five, five, and five, he still covers there. Minus 165 against Rublev. But the one that sticks out to me is Schwartzman minus five and a half games over Alex Mulken at minus 165. And here's the stat I would turn you to. Diego Schwartzman since the start of the 2018 season, 73-29 and against opponents ranked outside the top 50. Here in 2021, he's 17-4. So again, since the start of 2018, 73-29. He's won 72% of his matches against opponents ranked outside the top 50. 17-4 against opponents ranked 51 or higher. Even if you want to suggest, rightfully so, that Alex Mulcan, who via the race this year has been a top 75 player, he's accumulated the 58th most points, has made an ATP final, won a challenger, made two other challenger finals, now into the third round of a slam for the first time, the 23-year-old Slovakian tricky lefty who's had a lot of success on the clay courts, surprising to see this breakthrough run on hard courts. Even if you want to suggest he's closer to top 75 than his current ranking of just outside the top 100 entering this event is uh, 138 entering this event he's three and six in his career against top 100 opponents Schwartzman 17 and four this year against opponents ranked outside the top 50 it's been a dream ride for Mulcan for him to you know beat Nakashima in five sets the way he did in round number two and by the way five set match he's coming off in round number two, you know, he came through qualifying as well. He beats Ickle in four sets in the first round. Meanwhile, Schwartzman straight set wins for him over both Barankis and Anderson. I think Diego Schwartzman wins this match. I think he wins it big. To get him at, at in this match at minus five and a half games, four, four, and four gets the job done, or even a seven, six, six, three, six, four gets the job done. Yeah, minus 165 is not great. You know what? I'm up in the ante here. We're going a full unit on this bet. I have it listed at half a unit. I'm going to go full unit here to win 0.6. In Diego, we trust. Always ride with the tribe. That is ace of the day number three. The final ace, just a small parlay for all of you. Two-player parlay, two favorites on the day. Rublev, I sort of made the case for him. Minus 350 over Tiafo. Minus 114, half a unit to win 0.4. Uh, uh, excuse me. Rublev's minus 350 over Tiafo tomorrow. You parlay him with Alina Svitolina, who's coming off of a a, a title in Chicago the week before this event and has looked dominant in her first two wins here this week. She's playing a Daria Kasekina, who just played a super physical three-set match against Marketa Vandrusva, who's played, you know, I would say in the top 15 most matches here on the WTA Tour this season and just doesn't have that overwhelming weapon you need to hurt Svitolina with because I think Svitolina has rhythm right now. And if you're trying to beat her with rhythm, you're going to lose. She can match one of the few players who can match Kasekina's athleticism, fluidity around the court, you know, consistency from the baseline as well. I think that match is going to feature a bunch of breaks of serve, but I think Svitolina in the end gets the job done. It's going to be close, but give me Svitolina and Rublev. You parlay them together, minus 114. That's good enough for half a unit on that to win 0.44. Those are your four aces of the day to recap quickly because we're a little long here. Muguruza plus 100 over Azarenka, half a unit to win 0.5. FAA plus uh, minus 105 over RBA, 
half a unit to win 0.47. Give me Schwartzman, minus uh, 5.5 games over Mulcan, one, minus 165, one unit to win 0.6. Then Svitolina Rublev parlay, minus 114, half a unit to win 0.4. Again, you need to catch up on any of the action from New York. Hop on over to our mini break podcast feed where we have recaps of each and every day of play. Of course, you can find all of that action on our website, crackrackets.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And speaking of which, while you're clicking on them, if you don't mind, like, rate, subscribe, review, leave that five-star review, share with your friends. We always appreciate that. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout-out as well to our friends over at TennisPointTennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, for our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, for our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. And hey, great shot. Talk to you all tomorrow, everyone. 